Welcome back to the Two Man Wall podcast. We are officially not one but two match weeks into the World Cup. Feels like it's been very, very quick. I remember just feels like a day ago you and me were just gearing up saying can't wait for Qatar Ecuador all of a sudden we've gone through two match weeks and quite a bit of excitement to go along with it um and we're here to break it all down for you we're gonna go actually group by group breaking down the first two match weeks uh four games from each group uh break down where teams are at what teams need what teams we think will advance come the final match day um and then maybe adjust some uh some futures picks based on what we've seen because i know definitely some certain- <laughs> predictions need some adjusting <laughs> on both of our ends yes I, I think i have singled a couple out that i might have fumbled the bag on but anyway without any further ado let's jump right into group a ethan do you want to break down group a for us yeah um i think group a is one of the few groups that's gone to plan in terms of my predictions uh the netherlands seem to be in pretty pole position to take top spot as long as they get a win against lowly qatar they should they will finish top of the group and ecuador are also in a very good position to finish second as i predicted as long as they get a draw against senegal they should go through uh but netherlands despite the fact that they there's a good chance that they'll finish top. I haven't been quite as impressed with them as I thought. No, I really all, yeah. I really thought there would be a lot more to this attack. Obviously I knew well not knew, but I thought that Goy Cody Gakpo would be a big part of this, you know, Netherlands offense going forward. Turns out he's really the only part of it, as far as I can tell. Because yeah. <laughs> he, he's been I mean, he scored two of their three goals this tournament, and he's really just been the main guy for them. I haven't seen much else. I mean, Depay, I think he may be either he's out of favor or he's coming off an injury. I know I thought he'd have a very good tournament so far. He's barely been involved. Um, Frankie Diong is playing very well. He was a big part in that first win against Senegal, obviously setting up Cody Gakpo's go-ahead goal. But I just, I'm just not that impressed with Netherlands. I no. really thought I would be. A lot of teams like Netherlands absolutely coast through this group, but they got outplayed by Ecuador in that game. And Ecuador looked yeah. as impressive as they looked. Netherlands really showed just a lack of bite. Really, it. I, I can't be really impressed with anyone in this group. Um, obviously Senegal hurting off of the back of losing Sadio Mane. Um, Netherlands just like. They they just lack cutting edge, and I think that they got the benefit of a weak Group A because I believe Qatar is a pot one team. Yes, they are because the host nation is always a pot one team. So, uh, you know, whatever pot two team was going to end up, um, with Qatar was going to have a nice and easy group, and thankfully for the Dutch, it was Netherlands and. I, as a USA fan, you know, we'll get to predictions in a bit, but as a USA fan, if the USA get out of Group B, likely it's going to be in the two spot. And that means they'll line up against Netherlands. And there is, I don't think there's a group winner out there I'd rather play right now than Netherlands. They they look flat. 
they got pushed around by an Ecuador team that is fine, but not great, obviously. Uh, like, this is not as good of a Netherlands team as it was in years past. They're, again, benefiting greatly from the fact that they get to play Qatar and Senegal, which has been weakened by Mane. Uh, it just... um. I don't see Netherlands getting past, honestly, Iran or USA, depending on who comes uh, second in Group A. But yeah, like you said, Gakpo has been all that and some. Uh, he's been backpacking this entire Netherlands attack. Without him, I think <laughs> they would have trouble even getting out of this group because I believe they gener- they generated like 0.07 XG in that game against Ecuador and it was just that goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and it, they just yeah, unconvincing as all hell and maybe they snap into it once they have the, you know, I don't know, impetus, should I say, of a uh of a round of 16 match, but I honestly don't see them snapping out of it anytime soon. I think they'll go down to whoever comes out of group B. Yeah, even in that game against Senegal, obviously they didn't score until, you know, pretty late in the 80 or something minute. And they didn't produce, you know, too many high-quality chances besides that. Mm-hmm. So I'm yet to see, you know, a convincing performance from the Netherlands and their two more difficult teams in this group, which aren't really, you know, that difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to give some credit to Ecuador yeah. First and foremost, Enter Valencia. What a tournament he's had. <laughs> he's he's been absolutely on fire, and they'll be praying that uh he's recovered from his yeah. injury for their game tomorrow against Senegal. Ecuador talisman Enter Valencia determined to face Senegal despite injury. Yeah, I mean I'm he was sure. I mean he was stretched off at the end of the Mm-hmm. Uh, game with ne- the Netherlands, but he did return to the bench. You know, he was icing it. I think he was walking, and he did come off with an injury against Qatar too. And he wow. played and scored against Holland. So I don't think it should be, it should be a worrying sign. But I don't think it's out of his realm to play in this game. Uh, yeah. but it wasn't just him. Uh, Moise Casado. I mean, we knew he's one of the main players. For this team, as well as uh, Paris and Stupignan, the Brighton yeah. boys, you know, playing a big role. But they just looked like a difficult team to beat, and they created a lot of chances. They hit the bar on on a shot. Valencia had, you know, a chance or two besides the one he did score on. They had a goal that was disallowed for offside, which I thought was just absolutely criminal. I mean, gave everybody an early uh, bribery scare. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> There's that. There's obviously the one, you know, four minutes into the entire World Cup, but also the one right before halftime in the in the Netherlands game off of a uh, shot from Estupignan, which he deflected. I mean, it was a shot from outside the box, which Estupignan, you know, deflected, you know, into the opposite side of the net. And, you know, there was a player standing in offside position, but the keeper had already dove the other way yeah, yeah and they're saying it obstructed his view but it's it's obviously not going to change anything so i was pretty upset they, about that they've been at pretty the time they were still that, yeah. one nil down they, they've been pretty like 
goalkeeper friendly with those like line of sight offside calls in all leagues honestly um they've chalked off a couple goals that really you just couldn't see it but if that's the rule i guess that's the rule and you know stay on side i guess so predictions for this group who's getting out i mean here's the thing going into uh, it should be said before we get into any uh, match week three predictions is that you cannot um you know take just the team's talent versus the other team's talent it's almost like 80 percent circumstance at this point and 20 percent like team talent like you um it's i believe netherlands qatar and then ecuador senegal yeah so Senegal goes in needing a win. Mm-hmm. And Ecuador goes in needing a draw. So Ecuador is going to be playing a very defensive game. And Senegal is going to be playing a very offensive game. How is that going to match up? I don't know either team well enough to say how that's going to go. However, it will change things. If this was the match week one, I think we see a completely different game. Netherlands, Qatar. Netherlands, I believe, just need a point to to stay up, to to be guaranteed. Um, yeah, if they get on five, then they can't drop out. Obviously, they're gonna want the win to make sure that they stay top. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like they're not good against a Qatar team that's like arguably one of the worst World Cup teams ever. Like they should be able to throw their jerseys on the field and get three points, but like they're still going to be playing relatively defensive. Like, they're not going to go out and try to score 8-9 right off the kickoff. So, um, I think they should get three points. Netherlands should stay top. It's really about this Ecuador-Senegal game. Both teams playing for their lives. Uh, this could go really either way. Ecuador has impressed me much more than Senegal. So, I would like to think that Ecuador would advance. However, Senegal on paper has more talent. So, I don't know. It It's going to be a very good game. And this one is definitely the one I'll be watching. I could care less about netherlands Qatar. Yeah. <laughs> Group B, the one that I'm sure many listeners care about the most. England, USA, Iran, and Wales. Um, and this is how things stand in Group B. England top on four, Iran second on three, USA third on two, and Wales in fourth on one. A uh, couple of interesting games, I'll say. Um, obviously England six, Iran two, that was just, you know, a overwhelming matchup for Iran, I would say. And England played very well, very fluid football. I think one of the better performances we've seen the last couple of years out of England, um, in this game, Iran is no pushover as we've seen and they pushed them over. <laughs> so, uh, you know, strong performance. And at the time it seemed like, uh, England had regained a little bit, regained a little bit of their form that they might have lost in the last, you know, year or so. Then we got to USA Wales, and uh, I think I was a little bit more angry at this result at the final whistle than I am now, because at the final whistle it, it really seemed like three drop points. They generated nothing for seventy-five on minutes aside from a key for more free header which should have gone in. But again, that was from nothing. Like they defended so well. And to draw that game was really unfortunate. They had a fantastic first half as good a first half. I've seen them play, you know, 
going back years and years and years since the Donovan days. And then the second half, they come out and they play like a young, inexperienced team. And they get pushed around by experienced guys like Bale and Ramsey. And they soak pressure. And when you soak pressure, the ball goes into the box. And when you have clumsy guys like Walker Zimmerman, as well as you played in that game, shit happens like that. Bale tucks away the penalty. 1-1. And now looking back on it, I'm proud of the way USA played because I predicted them to come in last. I thought that they were going to come out incredibly flat. I don't know where the goals are going to come from. Great move from the front three. Fantastic finish from Tim Weah, who I was very, very low on coming into this World Cup, and he impressed me in both games, in USA-Wales and USA-England, which we'll get to. Um, but I'm completely and utterly impressed by this USA team. They have put it together. Uh, Berhalter's tactics, I questioned them coming in. He has proved me wrong. Not, not fully proved me wrong, but his tactics are working, and players like Tyler Adams are absolutely stepping up to the plate. Tyler Adams is like a golden ball contender at this point. He is playing unbelievable right now. Uh, going forward, you know, he's he basically N'Golo Conte. You know, one step below, I would say. When N'Golo Conte was, you know, in his prime for Chelsea, you were like, this guy is everywhere. It, you almost can't play through the midfield because you think this guy's going to be on your back every five seconds, and he is. This guy wins back the ball dozen times a game in, in the midfield. Unbelievable, especially against England when we were sitting, making sure, you know, th they were playing a more defensive game. We were sitting back, making sure we weren't counterattack. We knew we could play, they could play through us very fluidly. And they connect two passes, break down our press, and all of a sudden, in comes Tyler Adams, take the ball back, shut down the entire England attack. And same thing in the Wales game. He was given the captaincy and has absolutely stepped up to the plate. I could not be more proud of the way Tyler Adams is playing. I'm sure, Ethan, you feel the same. Yeah, I mean, like you said, in that England game, he was absolutely key to shutting down the entire England midfield, both him and a lot of credit to Eunice Musa too, and Weston McKinney. And yeah, I mean, you said all there is to say about Tyler Adams. He he just wins every single ball and it, he makes it just so difficult to play through the middle for other teams. And he's a absolute dream to have yeah. in a midfield. And this, it's really this U S midfield that has, you know, made this team look so convincing and, you know, composed in these draws, even though we're not getting it, getting it done, you know, on the forward line. In the midfield, we're making it very, very difficult for teams to cope. And a midfield trio of McKinney, Musa, and Tyler Adams, it's really a scary sight for, yeah. for opposition. I mean, this is such an athletic, just energetic midfield that, you know, loves ball winning and seems, you know, as this tournament progresses to be moving the ball better and better. I mean, like you said, in that, in that first game Tyler Adams again obviously brilliant defensively but going forward he was he was kind of a nightmare he was you know giving the ball away and then credit to him winning winning it back right after he gave it away but he still wasn't great going forward but in the England game he was you know being a bit more composed on the ball and I thought we were much more direct in the England game we were breaking lines and taking advantage of it and another thing you mentioned is that Burl Holter seems to get gotten his tactics right I think this may be one of the first times where I've seen 
Berhalter make like a genuine like tactical switch, you know, away from his you know traditional formation and actually work. Uh, when you deployed, you know, McKinney towards the right hand side to kind of overload uh, Luke Shaw and, you know, make it more of like a 4 4 2 rather than a 4 3 3. And it worked. We had a lot of joy playing down that right hand side with McKinney uh, and Dest, even though Dest was, you know, slid a little further back. It gave us defensive stability, but still the ability to play. I thought it worked really, really well. And that was all Burholter. So. I got to give him, you know, credit here. That was a great tactical move that, you know, really helped us, you know, play an incisive game. So this U.S. team is a team that is, you know, growing in confidence. And when this Iran game comes around at 2 p.m. tomorrow, I think that they are going to be up for it. And they're going to feel that they can really win this game. I agree. And let's run through Wales and Iran quickly before we get our predictions in. Um, Wales, uh, there were no real surprises with Wales. We knew that they were basically a country that was inspired coming off of 60 odd years, not being in the world cup, um, experienced guys like Bale, Ramsey, Davies, um, some talent in there, no doubt, but you know, aren't exactly going to play a fluid brand of football, not going to generate goals like you know bale used to do in his prime um and basically that's what we got they came out flat against usa probably got a lucky point all things considered um held out for 87 odd minutes against iran based on pure physicality and then eventually broke down and lost all lost the point um and then iran on the other hand a team that um you know isn't really sneaking up on anyone. They had some some nice performances in the last World Cup, had some nice performances recently um, in the build-up to the World Cup. Uh, this is a team with talent. Taremi's certainly on great form. Um, I mean, they're, again, they're not really sneaking up on anyone. I, uh, USA are certainly going to have their work cut out for them tomorrow, uh, especially against the team, now, now we can get into the predictions, that is playing for a draw. And I know we talked about these circumstances. They make up a lot of what, they're going to dictate a lot of what these games are like. Iran gets a draw and they're in. USA, there's no, when, you know, Fox Sports posted the, you know, what every team needs to advance. No gimmicks, no goal differential, no draw if this, lose if that. USA win and they're in. They don't win and they're out. And that's it. Plain and simple for the USA. I think that that's a good thing. It shouldn't cloud their judgment to like maybe, yeah. you know, they should be going for three points, but maybe they escape with a draw. Clear, focus, nothing in the back of their head. I truly believe that the USA will come out with three points tomorrow. Complete 360 for my pessimism prior to the World Cup. They have come out all guns blazing in these first two games. They, in no fan's eyes, didn't deserve, you know, maybe three points against England. They certainly had the better of the chances. They were certainly the better team. They could arguably be on six points right now and leading the group. This is a team that's going to get the job done tomorrow, and I am going to be a bit devastated because if they don't, 
because this is a team that could not only should be get not should not only get out of this group, but if they get Netherlands in the first round, I think they have more than enough potential to upset them. So I'm going to say England and then USA. Yeah, obviously, I mean, very likely that unless things go horribly wrong, I think they have to lose like 4-0 to Wales or something. England will finish top. Yes. And I also am surprisingly confident in the United States. But it shouldn't be surprising based. It's surprising based off of, you know, my pes- my pessimism and skepticism before the tournament, not based off of what I've seen. Because mm-hmm. what I've seen is a team that honestly had only been lacking, I think, one real thing in these first two games that possibly held them back, and that's a sense of urgency. And it's certainly what they're going to have in this game when they know that they need a win and they need a goal, if not, you know, multiple. I think, obviously, defensively, this team has looked really solid, only conceded one goal, and it wasn't from open play. Haven't even let up that many chances in that England game. I can't think of many big chances that we conceded. So one goal might be enough, but this team should be looking for one, two, three, and so on. And I think they'll get it. I think, you know, some of the things that they've lacked is directness, even though they have grown confidence and have been a bit more direct going towards goal. You know, these are non-negotiables in this game. They have to attack Iran. And I think with the confidence they've gained over these first two games, they will attack them successfully and they will get a few goals out of this game. And I think that the U.S. will go through. And like you said, they compete with England. Why can't they compete with a Netherlands team that so far has been yet to impress? So there's a lot of potential for this U.S. team. And I think they know that and they know that they have to get a result here and they will. Group C. Saudi Arabia, Argentina, Mexico, and Poland. And here's how it stands. Poland in first on three. Argentina in second. Uh, Poland in first on four. Argentina in second on three. Saudi Arabia in third also on three. Argentina on one goal difference while Saudi Arabia is on negative one. Uh, and then in last is Mexico on one point. Now, obviously, the headliner game for this group was Argentina 1, Saudi Arabia 2, one of the greatest upsets in the history of the World Cup. I don't think anyone's arguing with that. Um, this game was an absolute tactical masterclass from Saudi Arabia. This Renard put his team in the best, built his team in the way, I don't even know how to articulate this correctly. When you play Argentina, a team that has not lost a game for three and a half years, and you are in charge of a team like Saudi Arabia, the absolute most you can ask for is to set your team up to potentially shock. Set your team up so that once every five or six games, you come out on top. And that's exactly what they did. They had this nice training camp leading up to the World Cup where they drilled down these tactics that they want to employ this high line high press system that straight up shocked Argentina um and if you watch the game you'd know that they got a bit lucky with some of the offsides calls you know shoulders and you know hips and kneecaps offside three goals i believe Argentina had called off but when you're 
Saudi Arabia playing Argentina, you need a little bit of luck if you're going to get three points. And they held them off. Just one goal. Kept that high line. And came back. Bang, bang. Two goals. 2-1. And did they pack it in? No. They kept their same high-pressing strategy that worked, basically worked, for 70-odd minutes. And they held out. Uh, This is, you know... One of the all-time upsets in the World Cup, I'll say it again, and it all the credit, if not most of the credit, should go to the manager. Yeah, I mean, so much credit has to go to the manager for employing such a, you know, dangerous, you know, high-risk, high-reward uh, kind of system, and obviously they got the high-reward out of it. You know, yeah. they did get a bit lucky, but of course, they made their own luck in this mm. game, and undeniably one of the greatest upsets that you'll ever see in the World Cup era. But all the questions after this game were really around Argentina, about Lionel Messi. How would they bounce back? And in the first half of that Mexico game, I wasn't sure if they were going to because Mexico completely locked them down. Honestly, I was watching this game and I was just looking around thinking where on earth is the space for Argentina to work in? It was like Mexico had 15 men on the field. There was no room to play in, no room for, to dribble. I think they may have had like one dangerous, you know, cross, you know, across the box that came from, I think, Di Maria beating like one or two guys. And it really looked like there was no room to operate for Argentina. And I really wasn't sure at halftime where you know a goal was going to come from but of course it was only going to come from one man and in the end they gave him half a yard and that was all he needed to slot it past you know world cup legend Guillermo Ochoa have to give him his credit first of all for the penalty save and the nil-nil game against Poland I mean the internet had a field day with that one he truly (laughs) he truly only arrives for the world cup but there was not much he could do about this strike because this was just powerful, low in the corner. And, I mean, it's what Messi does. There's yeah. not much more you can say one, for the goal. One more potentially, you know, one of the last magical Messi moments that we might see. Um, as, you know, news came out, not that he can't make magical Messi moments for Inter-Miami in the Eastern Conference of MLS, but, you know, <laughs> it's just not the same. No, it is. But uh, the Mexico game that Ochoa made the heroic penalty save on Robert Lewandowski, denying him his first World Cup goal that he would eventually get in his second game, uh, that would finish 0 0. Uh, Argentina ended up beating Mexico 2 0 to get them on three points. And then Poland, uh, I know me and Ethan were talking about it. We, we didn't know exactly how Saudi Arabia would come out against Poland after, you know, basically exploiting what their tactics were like to Argentina. And Argentina were shocked, but uh, Poland wouldn't be because they would have seen what happened uh, in the Argentina game. Um, And Poland, being the rigid team that they were, weren't as, didn't play as high of a line and didn't allow Saudi Arabia to really get in behind, didn't really give up too many chances. And at the end of the day, uh, the ball fell their way. And then Lewandowski sealed it late in the game, uh, which is good for him. You know, to get that that first World Cup goal, he definitely deserves it. Um, so Poland 
now sit top of the group on four points. And then you got Saudi Arabia and Argentina on three. And then Mexico on one. And the matches going into match day three look like this. Argentina versus Poland. And then Mexico versus Saudi Arabia. Now, the scenario is as follows. If Poland end up getting a draw, they are into the next round no matter what. However, they will be wanting to play for three points because that will guarantee them the first seed. Argentina need a draw if Poland, if Saudi Arabia and Mexico draw. Um, and a win if Saudi Arabia wins. And if Mexico wins, they would just need a draw, assuming that Mexico don't win by a certain amount of goals. Which, in all likelihood, they're probably not going to blow out Saudi Arabia. So, in all likelihood, Argentina need a win if Saudi Arabia get a win. And Argentina need a draw if it's a draw or Mexico win. And honestly, I don't know which way Mexico-Saudi Arabia is going to go. It, it's, it could be, I mean, Mexico and Poland played to a stalemate. So those teams are pretty similar. And now Saudi Arabia is playing the latter. I think it could be a game that's determined by, you know, a silly penalty box handball or something like that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a game of margins. I mean, Mexico's still yet to score a goal in this tournament. And, I mean, you look at, you know, the Argentina-Poland matchup. Poland yet to concede the goal this tournament. So we'll see how Argentina fare. In that game, you definitely can't rule out Poland from at least making it a game. Personally, I just think that this Argentina team, with that win over Mexico, they just seem to have their swagger back. They really needed that, and I think yeah. they'll kick on to do what people expect them to do in this tournament, and that's make a deep run on the back of Lionel Messi, and hopefully some some of the supporting cast chip in too. Latero Martinez yet to get a goal in this tournament. Uh, Rodrigo DePaul has looked abysmal. He really has in these first <laughs> two games. He may honestly get dropped for this third game, or would if he wasn't Messi's bodyguard. But hopefully he can do some actual ball playing. He's and Tom Wilson as, of, uh, <laughs> of Group C. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, and in the Mexico-Saudi Arabia game, like you said, it could go either way. Definitely could be a tight one. I'd probably go for a draw in this one, which mm -hmm. I think if I'm saying Argentina wins, does that put if Saudi Argentina Arabia wins, or Poland put, through? If Argentina wins and Saudi Arabia draw, uh, that will put Poland through depending on how much they beat them by. If Argentina wins 3-0, it puts them even on goal difference. Anything less in Poland wins. All right, so I'd say Argentina go through and Poland finish second in that group. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you on that one. And would you like to run us through Group D? I would. So this group got kicked off with a nil-nil stalemate between Denmark and Tunisia. And then later that afternoon, France, after a shaky start in which Australia grabbed the go-ahead goal, proceeded to pummel them in a 4-1 <laughs> drubbing. And then 
Australia got a, I won't say shock result, but a, an impressive win, I'd say, against Tunisia. And France uh, took care of Denmark, who in their past two meetings have beaten France. So definitely no gimme. And France, two wins from two, break the World Cup winner's curse and go through to the knockout stage. But more importantly than, you know, the superstition of it all, it's actually a very impressive accomplishment for France, who I think neither of us really liked that much in this mm-hmm. tournament. I think we both predicted that Denmark would finish top of this group because not well me slightly because of the world cup winners curse but really because they're missing so many players due to injury yeah i mean karim benzema and cuckoo and most Conte, of all I mean, pogba, the yeah. heart of their midfield conte and pogba but their players have stepped up the olivier Giroud had a great game uh, against australia scored two equal thierry Henry's goals record for france Adrian Rabio and Aurelien Chuameni have filled in wonderfully in the center midfield, especially Chuameni. Uh, people, I mean, I always, I think everyone knows about his quality, but me personally, I wasn't sure if he would be able to step up to this role at such a young age, and he's absolutely filled the boots. And, I mean, this center back pairing of Kanate and Upamakano has been you know, they've conceded two goals, but they have been almost flawless. They've looked really good defensively and their wing backs and they lost Lucas Hernandez, but Teo Hernandez has filled in very well. Uh they have Jules Kunde on the right. He's been very good. So and obviously we have to of course mention the golden boy, Kylian Mbappe. He's yeah. He hasn't missed a beat this World Cup. He's Definitely an early golden ball candidate. I think two goal, three goals and assists so far this tournament. He's been absolutely stellar and obviously the main man for this France team. But yeah, I'm not. I'm really not seeing a lot of weaknesses in this team, which I thought I'd see. I thought, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the cracks would begin to form because of all these injuries, but I'm really not seeing any. You know, I don't love their defense. Um. I, I like Teo Hernandez um, he, more than I did Lucas, and Lucas um, actually went off injured, and Teo went on in place of him. Um, but I, the Obamacano Kanate center back pairing, I mean, it gets the job done, especially when you're scoring goals at the rate that France are scoring at. Um, but I, it just could be their downfall at some point in the knockout stages. Um, and it looks like they're going to get um, potentially Argentina, probably uh, Poland. So uh, I don't think it'll be a problem against Poland, but down the road, I think it, that could be an issue. Their center back pairing, obviously, Loris also is not at the top of his game. No. Um, but that's just about it. Everyone else seems to be playing pretty well, and... You know, when your team runs uh, runs through Kylian Mbappe, obviously, you know, doesn't suck. So I think it's going to finish, considering how underwhelming Denmark have been. I do think that they will get three points. So against, uh, I believe it's Tunisia. Oh no, it, it's uh, it's Australia. Um. 
although Australia are again playing for a draw. A draw gets them through. Um, so will they be able to break down an Australia team that is playing for a draw? I think they will. In the end, I think they'll get it done. And then they will jump, assuming that Tunisia doesn't beat France by a larger margin than Denmark beats Australia by. Uh, I'm going to say France and then Denmark. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Uh, I think Denmark's quality will, in the end, just be too much for Australia. Denmark know that they've underperformed. I think they'll really kick it up a notch against Australia. I think they didn't have a poor performance against France. I mean, they stay in the game. They threatened a lot. Um, I thought Jesper Lindstrom, I mentioned him before the tournament. I was very happy he got the start. I thought he did a lot of things well. But again, this France defense is just really strong and it's not the easiest to make an impact against hopefully he gets another start in this game and i think if he does he will make a much bigger impact for denmark but yeah i see france taking the group and denmark finishing runners up moving on to group e a group that went as follows it kicked off with a 7-0 drubbing of Croatia, uh, not Croatia, uh, Costa Rica by Espana. 7-0 was the final there. Um, and then at the 8 o'clock game, I, or I believe the, yeah, it was the 8 o'clock game. Yeah. Germany score the first goal and then get the dirty double, as Spencer FC would call it, <laughs> from Japan. It finishes 2-1 Japan. Germany drop all three. Um... And strike a bit of fear into all the German hearts. And then, one of the more surprising results of the tournament so far, Japan nil, Costa Rica won. A Japan team that looked very good against Germany, very solid, going out and dropping all three points to a Croatia team that had put in the worst performance of any team at the World Cup to this point. Um, and that was quite the miracle result as a uh, as a Germany fan, because they pretty much needed Ger- Japan to drop as many points as possible, yeah. and then Germany go into the Spain game. This is one of the marquee matchups of the group stage as a whole, and they go down one nothing to a very very clever Alvaro Morata finish. Not an easy finish at all, and I can't remember how many times I've said that about Alvaro Morata finishes. To be completely honest, and with the their tournament on the line. Needing a goal to keep themselves alive. Germany go ahead and sweep one up. It finishes 1-1. And Sané had quite the opportunity to take all three at the end of the game. And I I don't know why he didn't shoot it. I don't don't (laughs) know why he tried to go around the keeper. I'm not a professional footballer. I'm not going to question. However, from my perspective and all the fans' perspective, it certainly looked like he should have shot it a little bit earlier. Oh, that's neither here nor there. It finishes 1-1, and Germany stay alive in World Cup 2022. The group looks like this before Ethan talks. Spain on four, top the group. Japan on three. Costa Rica on three, but actually six goals down in goal differential. And then Germany sit fourth on one. Germany needing a win over Costa Rica to advance into the knockout stages. Ethan, take it away. 
Yeah, honestly, this group is giving me a cluster headache. I don't know what to make <laughs> of any of these teams, really. Spain is the only one I know for a fact is good. I just don't know how good. Because now, I think, I think everyone, I think a lot of people, you know, did like Spain. They liked, you know, this up-and-coming team that, you know, works the ball around really well. Obviously, Pedri, Gavi, that young midfield duo, you know, you can't not love them. Uh, Luis Enrique, great manager, also does Twitch streams. I mean, just, just <laughs> want to throw that in there. Just thought it's a great anecdote. Anyway, it's I mean, but they've, <laughs> they've just looked so impressive this tournament. They looked really good against Germany. They honestly could have lost, but they also could have won. They had their yeah. chances, too. Um, Schlotterbeck made a last-ditch challenge on Morata yeah. that you know, helped save the game for them. So really, the question for me is, are Spain genuine contenders you know, for the World mm-hmm. Cup? I always thought that they were a good team that could make you know, a run to the quarterfinals. I think that's where I had them tripping up. But, I mean, the way that this team is playing right now, they've proven so far that they can have the killer touch. Only one goal in this game. But they looked very good offensively. They're getting you know, good goals out of players like Morata. Obviously, they smashed. Costa Rica so that's the question related to them Germany the question is you know is it going to be 2018 all over again I mean they were in this similar position uh you know in 2018 where they had a bad loss out of the gate to Mexico then you know a Tony Cruz you know screamer got them past Sweden and everyone's thinking okay they just need a win against South Korea, easy peasy, they're back on track. And what they do, they lose 2-0. So, I mean, Germany pretty much have their fate in their own hands if they can get a good result against Costa Rica. But they've been in this position before, and they looked good against Spain, but, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. So I still don't have full confidence in them. I mean, Japan and Costa Rica, I mean, Costa Rica got absolutely smashed by Spain, then go and beat Japan, who beat Germany, and then Japan, who had this big upset against Germany, go and lose to the team that lost 7-0 Spain. So I don't know what to make of either of those teams. Maybe these games against, you know, Japan against Spain, Costa Rica against Germany, maybe that'll make head or tail of it. But honestly, Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure what to expect from this entire group. This is one of those where, personally, I feel confident saying Spain will finish top, but the rest of this group, I could see some big shocks happening. I think Japan could get a point off Spain, which may be what they need to advance. Costa Rica could end up doing a similar thing to South Korea, where they just stay in it till late in a nil-nil game and grab a go-ahead goal and, you know, send, you know, Germany into uh you know frantic last 10 minutes yeah so I think there's big potential for an upset here but I do think in my heart that Germany will get over the line and make amends from that horror show of a 2018 world cup yeah so Spain first Germany second so I I can't see I mean I guess I can see but it's like it seems pretty like the gap is pretty narrow for Germany. They need Spain to beat Japan. Yeah. A Spain team that's playing for a draw to win the group, essentially. 
assuming Costa Rica doesn't beat Germany, Spain gets a draw, they win the group. A draw and Spain wins the group, and they need Spain to win. Spain would be doing Germany a favor by winning. I, I don't even know if Spain wants to win. They ha- in their hands, they have control of Germany's fate. They can either sit back and play for... Like, honestly, if they're up 2-0 in the 94th minute, it almost behooves them to score two own goals and take the draw. <laughs> it's a crazy thought, but that's, that's the scenario. That Spain need to beat... Uh, Sp- Spain need to beat Japan if, if Germany advance. Obviously, Germany have to beat Costa Rica, which I think they'll do. Um, but unless they beat um, Costa Rica by, like, Basically the same way that Spain beat them up. Uh, Spain will top the group with a draw, and Germany needs Spain needs Spain to do them a favor, which is a crazy, crazy thing. Um, I and I don't know if Luis Enrique is really thinking about that. I, I'm sure he's aware of the scenario, but is he contemplating not throwing, but like saying? They could go out there. I mean, if they lose, they're technically, yeah, they're obviously losing the top spot in the group, and they're technically putting themselves in jeopardy of getting knocked out if Costa Rica goes on and beats Germany, which is not going to happen. Let's be honest. It could happen. I mean, it's football, but like, it's probably not going to happen, especially with Germany playing for their tournament lives. So, I, I think they're going to draw. I think Spain and Japan draw. And I think Germany gets knocked out of the World Cup. That's my wow. Bold. Would you but... like to run us through <laughs> Group F? I sure would, because as promised, I think this has been one of the most you know, entertaining groups of this tournament so far. Yeah. Uh, Belgium won Canada nil was the afternoon game for the first set of games in this group. And Belgium completely outplayed, but somehow scraped a one nothing win off of a very good Canada. Uh, earlier that morning, Croatia and Morocco tied a, in a nil-nil stalemate. And then this week, two very shocking results, in my opinion. I did not think either of these were going to happen. Uh, Belgium, nil. Morocco, two. Morocco getting two late goals over the Belgians, who, again, looked piss poor. This and... probably should have been the score of the Belgium-Canada game, let's be honest. Yeah, like... probably. <laughs> Bel- Belgium were very lucky that Canada were so mediocre in front of goal, because if not, too. Belgium would already... Yeah, Belgium would already be out of this tournament, if not for Canada's poor finishing. And Canada are indeed out of this tournament. Uh, surprisingly, both of us really like Canada before this tournament, but Croatia absolutely bossed them in this game. Four yeah. one. Obviously, the fourth one came very late, but really, despite Canada taking the lead, you know, less than seventy seconds into this game, it was really all Croatia pretty much after that. So, I believe that puts Morocco top of this group. Oh wait, no, mm-hmm. is it Croatia? I think Croatia, no, Morocco. Uh, I First and second on yeah. four points. Belgium in third on three. And Canada rock bottom on zero. I have here Croatia aging like wine. Belgium aging like guac. <laughs> yep. That's, that's a good way to put it. Because 
it almost seems like, you know, off the pitch, this team is turning on each other. It's like, keep calling yeah. each other old. <laughs> yeah, De Bruyne, like, I mean, the comments he's making, I mean, first of all, I think, honestly, he kind of attacked himself. He basically said, like, I don't deserve this man of the match award. After oh, yeah, the well, he didn't. One no he's being realistic. against Canada, which, you know, he's being real there. And then, and then after the Morocco game, or was it before, he said, like, this team can't win the World Cup. We're too old. And I'm like... <laughs> Cheers, Kev. <laughs> like that, I feel like that's really poor timing on his part. Just but, in the huddle. Yeah. Just like, all right, boys, just so you know, we're not doing shit. We're too old. Let's go get him. All right, let's go, you know, let's go beat Morocco. <laughs> I, I think that bond the team together, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're all feeling confident. All right, let's do this. And then in turn, didn't like Vertonghen call the team old as well? And like, they just like, the aging front line they're just like all like ageism on each other it's like uh, they're not getting out of this fucking group they get honestly uh, they need the result against croatia, croatia get out, who's so. far like pr- like pretty confidently the best team in this group i mean morocco's played pretty mm-hmm. well hakim ziach has been frontlining or headlining should i say this morocco team um very well um there's, a, there's that, like, Chelsea bit where, like, Pulisic and Ziyech are, like, playing very well in the World Cup. And, like, Chelsea is the den- common denominator there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, going into the final match day, Belgium, Croatia, Morocco, Canada. Canada playing for absolutely nothing. Um, Belgium needing a win. Let me check the group scenarios. Uh, yeah, Canada's been eliminated. Morocco qualifies with a win or a tie against Canada, which in all likelihood they will get. Canada's not playing for much. Although, you know, Canada, nothing to play for, I guess. You know, nothing to lose. Going to play fast and lose. Um, Croatia qualifying with a win or a tie against Belgium. They'll win the group if they, if, uh, they'll win the group with a win, with a win if Morocco draws or loses to uh, Canada. If both matches end in a draw, then Croatia will still win the group. Belgium will qualify win, with, with a win against Croatia and wins the group if Morocco draws or loses to Canada. So Belgium still are in the running to win the group, um, that being on three and everyone else being on four. Um, they can qualify with a tie, but only if Morocco loses to Canada. And it wins a second-place tiebreaker, which might be fair play. So a lot of criteria in there. Long story short, Belgium make their job very easy if they get a win. Win and they're in. So, I guess all to play for, I, I cannot imagine. In terms of predictions, I cannot imagine this Belgium team is going to get, go out and get a win against Croatia. They have more than enough talent, but it seems like the whole team is just like not up for this World Cup, particularly. And I have them in the World Cup final, by the way. Let me just point that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what and I like them Canada to... Canada in the quarterfinal. This group yes. is just going disastrously yeah. if for this, you right if, now. If this was a March Madness bracket, I would have been, it would have been shredded and in the dumpster mm-hmm. by now. Um, yeah. So, when before I believed in Belgium's, you know, aging talent, I no longer do. Uh, I believe that they are going to go out, maybe get a draw against Croatia. Uh, most likely lose because they're going to overcommit defensively to try to get goals. And Croatia will advance on seven, and Morocco, you know, if Belgium lose, Morocco doesn't need to do anything. Um, so Morocco will advance in second place. 
Yeah, this is this is a tough one to predict because I still like Canada, despite their poor performance against uh, Croatia. I still thought they looked very impressive against Belgium. This team still has a lot of talent, and you know there there have been a lot of teams that when they have nothing to play for, you know, have impressed and have you know shocked. This this Morocco team they've been playing very well, but it is still Morocco. They still have their shortcomings. I think that it's it's definitely not off the cards that Canada could get a win and spoil this Moroccan party. And I don't think I also believe that I don't that Belgium will not get a win against Croatia. They could get a draw. And if if Canada beat Morocco, then a draw will be enough for them. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's gonna happen? It's a very specific scenario, but I think Belgium are going to luck out again, just like they did against Canada. So I'm going to say Croatia in first, Belgium in second, and then Morocco in a heartbreak loss to Canada finish third. Yeah, they'd be, Canada would be doing Belgium a world of favors that they do not deserve. Another uh, world of favors because yeah. <laughs> by not beating them in the first place. Yeah. Uh, it almost seems like Canada was sent to defend Belgium's uh, yeah. place in the round of 16 <laughs> if they do actually pull this off. However, it's not completely out of the question. I agree, Canada, despite getting their ass whooped by Croatia, probably deserve a spot in the round of 16 over Belgium. So uh, We will see. I, again, I'm sticking with Croatia and Morocco, but we will see. Group G kicked off with a nice and relatively comfortable come the first goal at least uh two nothing brazil went over serbia featuring two Richarlison goals one of them being the general consensus goal of the tournament this far thus far a flick up and a bicycle slash scissor kick leaving the keeper no chance quite a work of art uh and that's coming from an arsenal fan an Arsenal fan that saw Jesus get benched for, for Charleston. So I was double not happy, and I still had to give this man yeah. his plaudits. <laughs> Switzerland won Cameroon nil. I mean, this was probably everybody's prediction for this game. Just a solid, like, Switzerland get their goal with their semi-weak attack and then use their very rock-solid defense to defend it. Um, this seemed like the most common scoreline, and in the end... Switzerland get a clean sheet. Nothing new. And then we get to yesterday's games, which were, at least one of them, was quite entertaining, should I say. Serbia 3, Cameroon 3. Serbia should have gone up one nothing in this game. They ended up not going up one nothing this game. Cameroon got the first goal of the game. Then Serbia score three in a row. Then Cameroon sub on Vincent Abubakar. And the rest is history. They it come looks back. 50, by the way. This guy <laughs> looks, <laughs> yeah, looks like he came straight out of the retirement home. Like, <laughs> I don't know who else is playing for this Cameroon team if not for Vincent Abubakar. Uh, he actually displaced. Uh, did Kevin Prince Boateng came off the bench? I believe, right? Did he? Is he, uh, is he still playing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He was definitely playing in this game. Um, or Chubo Moting, not, not Prince Boateng. Oh, yeah. Chubo Moting. No, Chubo Moting definitely played. 
Prince Bo Dinosaur has been retired for <laughs> several You're years now. You're probably right. <laughs> Although, I'm sure him and Abu Bakar <laughs> probably shared the pitch many a time. Uh, yeah. 3-3 th- three, three was the final there. A very entertaining draw. Then Brazil get the job done against Switzerland. Another low-scoring Switzerland game. But Brazil come out on the right end of it. Take six points from six. As it stands in Group G, Brazil on six, Switzerland on three, Cameroon on one, and Serbia on one. The third and the fourth place team separated by one goal difference. And this is the group with both our teams uh, that we predicted to win the World Cup. The same team, Brazil. Uh, Are you sticking with that prediction? I am. Uh, I'm sticking with that prediction because... Defense wins championships, and yep. this team has yet to face a shot on target this entire tournament. I mean, people are having this Allison Ederson debate. They could have stuck a moving cone in net, and it wouldn't have changed anything because Allison has not been called upon. The only thing that's been called upon by Allison is his razor, apparently, because he's <laughs> fully shaved. That beard looks very weird, but I'm getting sidetracked. I mean, I mean, no Neymar. This Brazil team, they were struggling to break Switzerland down, but as I predicted in, in you know, my pre-tournament predictions, Switzerland, I believe, will make a run because of how good they are defensively. And it was really just a beautiful Casemiro half volley. Yeah, that was that, quite spectacular. That sunk them. I mean, there's really not much you can do about that. I mean, I don't think anybody really expected Casemiro to be the source of the winner in this game, but he was and there wasn't anything Jan Sommer could do about it but Switzerland have still looked really good defensively and they're a tough team to break down and Brazil found a way to win that's what winning teams do they still completely dominated the ball in this game as mentioned they weren't tested defensively so I see no reason why I wouldn't stick with my Brazil prediction I think the same thing. Uh, I think I, my, honestly, my confidence has grown since the uh, over the last two games because it just shows that they can win games in a variety of ways. Uh, I mean, they haven't let up a goal yet, which is always a nice thing uh, because, again, you said defense wins championships, and that's certainly the way it was for France because their center-back pairing and their back line in general was unbelievably solid. Um, in the last World Cup. Same thing with Germany when they won it. Um, and I, it's just shaping up like this Brazil team is just too good to be beaten. They're not letting up goals. They're not really letting up chances even. Uh, again, you know, Serbia and Switzerland are not exactly uh, attacking powerhouses, but they could. They just have talent all over the pitch. You're If you stop Vinicius, you're not stopping Richarlison. If you stop Richarlison, you're not stopping Vinicius. If you stop both of them, you're not stopping Rafinha. If you stop all three, in comes Jesus, in comes Antony, in comes Martinelli. Like, uh, this team is just v- so strong. And in football, you know, anything can happen. The, you know, bad days for their front three. The, the goals just aren't coming, and then they lose on penalties or something. Like, they could always get knocked out, but if you're asking me what team has the best chance to win, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that it's Brazil. And as far as the group goes, right now, Brazil on six, Switzerland on three, Cameroon and Serbia on one. Um, Brazil have already qualified. 
they with a winner tie they top the group so again they're not going to be playing super attacking against Cameroon um but odds are they'll generate enough chances anyway to win the game uh Switzerland obviously qualify with a win um and they also qualify with a tie unless Cameroon goes out and outright beats Brazil which is again very unlikely considering Brazil have not even let up a goal thus far um Serbia will qualify with a win against Switzerland And Cameroon is eliminated if Switzerland beats Serbia. So, Ser- Serbia and Cameroon, outside shots. They need a little bit of help. However, crazier things have happened. But I'm still yeah, sticking with definitely. Brazil and Switzerland. Yeah, I mean, I obviously have full confidence in Brazil and definitely Switzerland. Switzerland, this is a team that you know makes a living on just getting results. I mean, it's not pretty. It hasn't been pretty. Obviously, I mean, they lost Brazil, but defensively, they look good. They've only scored one goalless tournament. They've only conceded one goalless tournament, and that's been to the tournament favorites. How far can the Swiss go with virtually no attacking threat? I'm not sure, but I'm saying at least to the knockouts for right now. So I have them in second. I don't think Serbia will be able to break through them, and even if they do, I think Switzerland will at least be good enough for one goal, get that draw, which will most likely see them through. And last but not least, Ethan, would you do the honors of running through my favorite group of the tournament, Group H? Yeah, this group has been nothing short of frenetic. Um, (laughs) Even this nil-nil draw between Korea and Uruguay that kicked it off was still... Very entertaining, I thought. Uh, a back-and-forth match without Korea were very impressive. Uruguay underwhelming. Yeah. Uh, spoiler. Arguably Uruguay. the better team was. <laughs> Uruguay <laughs> underwhelming would happen again. Uh, <laughs> then Portugal and Ghana played out a, an absolute thriller. 3-2 in favor of Portugal. But, I mean, I just want to talk about this game for a second the, 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 we could we can make a whole hour-long podcast on this match alone let's be honest seriously but let's just let's just pull out just some pure just absolutely brilliant moments from this game so 3-1 down after Liao scores a goal to double Portugal's advantage in the I believe the 89th minute Osman Bakari scores a header to put this team back in the game he goes straight to the net and grabs the ball, runs back. To, oh, wait, what? No. Oh, he do- <laughs> wait, he, he did the Ronaldo celebration in front of <laughs> Ronaldo instead of going and grabbing the ball to get his team back in the game. I mean, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when I, <laughs> when I watched this live. I mean, it's one of those moments, I think, that just transcended the yeah. game. <laughs> I was cackling. <laughs> I don't cackle often. I was absolutely cackling when this guy hit the suey celebration. And it was like a quick one. He knew he wasn't supposed to be doing it. He went up there, got it out of the way, and then moved on. You could tell he was, you could tell as he was running away from the ball, he was debating whether he was going to do it. At that point, he was like, okay, I've already not gone and gotten the ball, which I probably should have done. Now, am I. Am I going to go for it? Okay, I'll just do a quick one, but I'm going to do it like mid-stride. I'm not going to like stand in place after I've done it like the normal one. I'll do yeah. it like real quick and then start running back. But nonetheless, I mean, that's Almost just like you made a bet with a friend from home who was like, yeah. I'm going to do it. No matter what the score is, I'm doing it, okay? Especially if you're scoring 4-1 down. It wouldn't have mattered. 
But the drama didn't end there because Ghana were a slip away from equalizing oh in this game. Portugal goalkeeper Diogo Costa has the ball in his hands. The game in his hands. All he needs to do is just boot it up the field. He rolls it out to himself. But unknowingly, Anaki Williams is creeping up behind him and takes the ball off him. <laughs> but as he's about to tap into the empty net, slips. <laughs> and as he gets up, Diogo Costa is able to block the ensuing shot and Ghana miss their chance to nick a point off of Portugal. And again, I mean, one of the many great moments to come out of this game after the match. Obviously, Portugal do get the win, but Diogo Costa is clearly flustered and traumatized. Ruben Diaz puts his arm around his shoulder and says, hey, man, listen, tough mistake, but it's okay, we got the win. And on the other side <laughs> comes Cristiano Ronaldo, who berates <laughs> his teammate <laughs> as he watched on from the sideline witnessing these horrors and not quite so supportive <laughs> from the Portugal captain, but I think he just, hey, it's just competitive, let the Manchester right? United intrusive thoughts win. <laughs> yeah, that's greatness, right? That, that's the Kobe <laughs> mentality. Same same mentality that tried to steal a goal off Bruno Fernandez because he didn't put as much gel in his hair and there was one hair strand that stuck up and grazed the ball as it passed his forehead. Same mentality. It's the yep, it's the Harry Kane much. mentality that tried to steal one off of uh I forget who that was in the uh in one of the Premier League games a couple years ago. You remember that? Oh what? Uh yeah, I think it was from uh Ericsson, I believe. Yeah. And he, he tried to, like, steal the goal off Erickson because his, like, you could see his, like, bro just grazing the ball as it passed. Either way, as it stands in Group H, Portugal on six, Ghana on three, South Korea and Uruguay both on one, separated by one goal difference at the bottom. The matchups going into Group 3 are as follows. Portugal play South Korea. And Ghana play Uruguay. And here are the scenarios. Portugal has already qualified. And they'd be guaranteed the top group, the top spot in the group with a win or a tie against South Korea. Or if Ghana does not beat Uruguay. So they could lose and still take the top spot. Ghana qualifies with a win against Uruguay. Straight up. Qualifies with a tie unless South Korea beats Portugal. Which is the unlikely result. Mm-hmm. Um, if Ghana loses, they are out. So they must win or tie. Uruguay would qualify with a win against Ghana if South Korea fails to beat Portugal, which is likely. So again, Uruguay most likely qualify with a win against Ghana. Um, South Korea are eliminated if Ghana beats Uruguay. So essentially they need a little bit of help. Um, it can qualify with a win if they beat Portugal. And if the Uruguay-Ghana game is a tie, or if Uruguay wins, but only if they win the tiebreaker. So, obviously, Portugal and Ghana's fate are in their own hands. Portugal, win, lose, or draw, have a, ha, are most likely going to finish in the top of the group. Ghana, win or tie, and they are in. However, Uruguay still have some untapped talent in this team. The Fidi Valverdes, the... Darwin Nunez is that have not broken out of their shell yet. Is this the time? Hopefully it is for them, but not, they've not shown me anything that suggests that 
now would be the time. Uh, this Ghana team has looked, you know, very impressive in these first two games, obviously, especially in this 3-2 win against South Korea. Everyone laughed at uh, Mohamed Kudus for comparing himself <laughs> to Neymar. And you know what? We laughed rightfully so because they're not comparable. He's way better than Neymar, clearly. Uh, <laughs> and I think Uruguay are going to have a difficult time dealing with them. But more importantly, they're going to have a difficult time scoring goals because they haven't scored any so far this tournament, which is really surprising from a front line consisting of Darwin Nunez and either Cavani or Suarez, obviously not in their primes, but you'd think that they'd still be able to you know, produce a finish when necessary. But honestly, they haven't been getting in, not that they haven't been getting in the right areas, but they haven't been given any, you know, haven't been provided any chances. I can really only think of two chances for Uruguay this entire tournament. One was a ball that was, uh, through ball played in for Nunez that had too much weight on it and Nunez ended up in a 50-50 challenge with the keeper and the other was Rodrigo Bentancourt uh, slung through two Portugal defenders and Diogo Costa came out quickly and you know parried the chance away but they really have not created much and I do think that obviously defensively Ghana has been pretty open they've conceded four so far this tournament but I'm not I'm not seeing enough from Uruguay. Uruguay need a win and I don't think they'll get it. And I had Uruguay winning this group, but they've just been so disappointing. And I don't know I, I can't I can't see it changing. This team just doesn't seem yes, they have Nunez, yes, they have Fidi Valverde, but it just seems like this old guard of, mm-hmm. you know, Cavani and Suarez and you know the defense of Godin and yeah. Jimenez and, you know, not Caceres, uh, Coates. It, it just seems like there's not that energy from them. Mm. They look flat. They look uninspiring. And Ghana look very energetic and inspiring. And I think that they'll get the result they need and get you know, their revenge, obviously, from 12 years ago. Yeah, they, you forget about that. There's a little bit of history on the line. Uh, Ghana Uruguay, especially in the uh, in the uh, final match of the group stage, I believe that was when the uh, the incident happened. Correct. In the year in twenty ten. Yes, it was in the quarterfinals. Oh right, okay. For some reason, I thought it was in the group stage. Um, but yes, if you don't know, Suarez blatantly blocks the ball from going to the goal with his hands, taking a red card but forcing a penalty kick. That penalty, that ensuing penalty kick, is missed by Ghana. And Ghana go on to lose, and uh, Suarez's blatant handball save in the box actually ends up saving Uruguay and books them a place in the next round of the World Cup. And uh, Ghana have certainly had his face on the dartboard since, and now is their time to, with a win or a draw, knock Uruguay out of World Cup 2022. Um, I said before the World Cup that uh, this group would cause a stir, if you will. I was a big Ghana fan. I said Ghana would come top of this group. Um, they still could, in theory. Uh, unlikely. However, it, it's just, it hasn't been chaotic enough. I said it was going to be chaotic, and it hasn't been chaotic enough. I think South Korea 
take three points against Portugal, who might start a weaker lineup because they don't necessarily need any points in this game. Uh, I think South Korea, who have played well, by the way, in their first two games, uh, they take all three points from Portugal because there just needs to be chaos in there. Uh, And then Portugal advance in first and South Korea advance in second. I think Ghana get a draw against Uruguay, but it's not enough. Because South Korea win by a goal and then beat the tiebreaker against uh, Ghana. They'd both wow. be on four. That's that's my chaos. That's mm-hmm. my predicted chaos. Uh Min Son gets his uh, you know, day three goal again to make things chaotic. The goal that got Mexico into the round of sixteen last in uh four years ago. Uh it's gonna be the same goal that gets them into their first round of sixteen in a while. I don't have the stat in front of me, but I can't imagine it's <laughs> it's been recent since they've been at if they've been there at uh, all. Two thousand two, I think. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, when they hosted, um, so. So, there you go. That's my group H. In terms of my overall predictions, I, uh, you'd be shocked to believe that I don't believe in God, in Belgium's ability to make a uh, World Cup final anymore. Uh, I think that from that side of the bracket, I don't have my tournament up, but I believe that that is the Portugal side and the England side. Uh, yes. I th- I think it could be if one Belgium of those. Yeah. Uh, Spain, I believe, is on that side of the bracket too. Um, not if they win the group. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, so I'm going to go with Portugal in the World Cup final because I thought Ronaldo would be a hindrance, and I think he is a bit of a hindrance. And he might come to be a hindrance if what I think is going to happen on the final day does happen. But uh, I don't think he's been as much of a hindrance as I thought. And their team outside of him has played pretty well. Uh, you know, Bruno has looked very, very good. Leao has looked very, very good. Bernardo Silva, they just got so much talent. Um, and that side of the bracket is relatively weak. That's the, uh, you know, Belgium side of the bracket, if you will. Uh, so, yeah. and, uh, you get the Brazils, the Argentinas, the Francis on the other side of the bracket. So, um, yeah, that's my prediction. England's on the other side of the bracket too, I believe. I could be wrong about that. England's, England's on the same side of the bracket as, uh, as Portugal. Should Portugal okay. win the group? Yeah. I, again, I don't really believe in England anyway. So, uh, if it's Portugal or England, I think I'm going to go with Portugal. Uh, I certainly don't think Belgium are going to get there if they even manage to get out of the group. So, um, any uh, changes to your predictions? Well, some changes that I have to make. I had Uruguay um, winning the group and playing Switzerland in the first round. Now I believe that will be Portugal. Um, I still believe in Switzerland, actually. Um, despite my shifting uh, feelings about Portugal, I do think that they seem to finally be, you know, putting the, their great pieces together into one team. I think Switzerland are just really good at not losing. And mm. in the knockout stage, if you don't lose, that only leaves one other outcome. <laughs> so I still think Switzerland will make uh, that run. I think um, they play the winner of what – I mean, in this matchup, in my predictions, I have it being Belgium-Spain, but it could likely be – Germany, Croatia, and I think that that's a very doable matchup for them if they were to get by Portugal. 
So not too many changes here. I did have Canada getting out of the round of 16. Um, although I do now have France on this side of the bracket. So that may change things. I still think England will get by France. Although um, I had France originally losing in the round of 16 to Argentina. I think they'll go a bit further than that. But overall, I think the heart of my the heart of my bracket remains the same. Uh, the same semifinals, same final. So, mm. still still not doing too bad. Whoop de doo! Your entire bracket isn't <laughs> ruined like mine is. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it should be an absolutely hectic and exciting and enjoyable. Uh, final match day. I am headed to a bar for uh, USA Iran tomorrow. I'm hoping I don't leave in tears. Uh, it's very possible, but uh, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm already anxious about it. So, um, enjoy it if your team is playing the World Cup, whether it be USA or any other country. Uh, enjoy it. These things don't come around very often. Uh, even if your team is out, like Canada. Um, still enjoy it. Uh, you know, especially for teams like Canada because they're not in the World Cup as, as often. Yeah. Something tells me the they're gonna make the next couple. But uh, enjoy every second. I'm certainly trying to. Um, no more five a.m. games. Bless up. So I'm <laughs> um, glad to be done. Times like these. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I'll miss it. I'll miss it a little bit. And with that, we will say goodbye. Adios. See ya.